Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father will be glorified in the Son. You ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask my Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. John 14, verses 9 through 17. This is Jesus talking to his followers on the eve of his torture, crucifixion, and resurrection, uh, all on our behalf for our sin. And this is sort of part of his last instructions to his disciples. And what he shares with his disciples is, hey, it's true that I and the Father are one. You see me, you've seen the Father. I am God, which is why they're crucifying me for making that claim. But he said, but even if you're not really sure, just based on what I'm seeing, uh, by, by what I'm saying, at least look at what you're seeing in front of you. The works that I am doing, bringing back people from the dead, Curing people of diseases, bringing life. I am, the, I am the embodiment of the God of life. And then Jesus says something very interesting to those who follow him. He says, and you will also do these works, and even greater than these, or many more. And how? He said, I will send you another helper, an advocate that will be in you forever. and He will live in you. Powerful stuff. I'm sure we're all fans of the Avengers. I think this is a Marvel church, yes, for the most part. Okay. As a DC guy coming in, that's very scary, so I'm sorry. Our movies weren't as good. But uh, Batman is still my favorite, I'm sorry. But we all, and even I you know, grew up, regardless of whether it's Marvel or DC, we all have our divisions. I understand. But whatever it is, we all sort of desire that that seeing a group of individuals with cool abilities come together. Isn't it cool? Like, there's just something from childhood on that we're like, man, like, these good guys, and they're all so different, and, and they, like, some of them shoot web out of their, their wrists, and some of, us, uh, some of them, uh, like, get really big and green and angry, and their shirts rip, but not their pants for whatever reason. I don't know why. Some of them can fly. Some of them can shoot lasers and rockets. Some of them can manipulate time. Like some of the, It's crazy. It's so cool. And when we see movies like The Avengers, we get excited because half of it is just them learning to work together, right? Where they're like, there's all this banter, and it's really fun, right? They're like, oh, who are you? I got this. And, and you're like, man, this is so cool. Something about having these special abilities and then coming together to accomplish something. Something exciting. What if I were to tell you that part of that, there is an element to that fantasy that is actually reality? 
No, I don't mean that if you get bit by a radioactive spider, you will suddenly shoot web. You will die, probably, if you get bit by a radioactive spider. But what if I were to tell you that in the economy of God, God actually equips and enables each one of his saints to perform tasks in order to fulfill his work and his purpose in this world. Because that is the reality of things. God actually endows all people who follow after him, who say, yes, Jesus, you're Lord. I want to follow after you. I want to proclaim your kingdom. I see that it is a kingdom of light. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do, but Jesus says, well, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to send my spirit into you, and he will equip you to do this. Jesus promised you will do, you, follower of Jesus, will do these works and greater than these. And how? How? We are just mere men and women. But the reality actually is that we are so much more because we've been equipped to do something supernatural. We're talking about uh, these last few weeks, we're in a series called All In, and it is a series on stewardship. A steward is somebody who manages something or the affairs of somebody else on their behalf. It is like a house manager. It's sort of like this concept. God owns it, I manage it. God owns it, I manage it. God owns my house, I manage it. God owns my money, I get it from him, I manage it. God owns my friend circle, I manage it. God owns my body, I manage it. Okay? That is the concept of stewardship. The last few weeks we've talked about the, the concept of the stewardship of the gospel. If you follow after the good news, if it truly is freeing, if it truly is like, wow, I see and I desire that this is the true God, I want to follow after him, then you as a Christian are now under the stewardship of the gospel. It is up to you to transmit it to those around you. It is called the Great Commission. We talked last week about work and what it is, what do we do when we work? That God actually cares about all of the things that you do. He's placed you in such a place because he cares about those things. So all work is God's work. The simple mundane things of the chores of your home to whatever makes you money. All work is God's work. This week we are talking about the stewardship of our spiritual gifts. The stewardship of our spiritual gifts. And we're going to be looking specifically at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which gives us a pretty good look at what this looks like. Again, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit into a believer. And let's read uh, together in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. A little more about that. Let's look at first verses 1 through 11. We're going to get through the whole chapter, believe it or not, and then some. But verses 1 through 11. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God, says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given the, through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, 
to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Would you bow your heads and pray with me over this scripture? Father God, we thank you for your son Jesus Christ sent into the world, that we may see a more accurate picture of who you are. We thank you for dying for us. We thank you for being resurrected, that we have a hope of new life, and for not only that, but commissioning and using us to go and bless this world. I pray that through the Holy Spirit, you'll illuminate in our hearts and convict us to see see the Spirit's work in our life, that we may turn around and be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to talk first about how we are blessed. We're going to then talk about a little bit about how, uh, the specifics about some of these gifts, and then we're going to talk about how to be a blessing, because you were blessed to be a blessing. This is a common theme throughout the scriptures. Okay, we've even seen it from the very beginning uh, when God calls Abraham. He's like, hey, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you prosperous, and then I'm going to send you out into this world that they may be blessed through you. That is a common theme that we see over and over again in Scripture. And we see this here as well, that we have been blessed to be a blessing. We have been given certain, certain gifts and abilities in order that we may go and bless the world with them. Verses 1 through 3, uh, we'll, still, we'll, we'll talk first about how we have been blessed. In verses 1 through 3, Paul says, Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, this is something that they were asking Paul in Corinth. They're like, so what, how do we, what is this whole, like, how do we know what to do and everything? He said, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, verse 2, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Point number one about being blessed. One, you have the truth and the revelation of Jesus Christ living within you. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, you literally have God dwelling with you all the time. And I know you're like, okay, maybe it just comes and goes like a hiccup or like a burp after drinking boba or soda or something. It's like, oh, that was the Holy Spirit. No, he is with you and guiding you all the time. If you notice what Jesus said in John 14 at the very beginning, he says, I will give you the Holy Spirit. He will remind you of all of the things that I have said. Okay? The Holy Spirit is there to convict us, to guide us. It's not just something like, okay, Jesus lived, died, I read my Bible, now I guess I have to run around like a pagan and try to figure out, you know, what did he mean by that? I don't know. The Holy Spirit is powerful and will always show you the meaning of Scripture. He will always point back to God. That is the main difference between what a spiritual gift is and what a talent is. Okay, some of you are very good at basketball. Some of you are very good at uh, calligraphy. One person in this church I know is good. Okay, there's two, there's two. Okay, sorry, Trisha, all right, you're good too. Pretty writing, that's what that is. <laughs> some of you are good at many different things, okay? Some of us are good at joking around. Some of us are good at speaking. Some of us are good at uh, fixing cards. Those are all talents, and praise God for those. But the difference between a talent, like an ability that you have naturally, versus a supernatural spiritual gift given by the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit will give you things that will always point back to Jesus, okay? A spiritual gift will always point back to God. That is what a spiritual gift is for, okay? We're going to read through a list in a little bit about different gifts, and you'll notice some of them seem pretty normal. It's like teaching. I'm a teacher. I mean, I go to school, I teach kids. Do I have a spiritual gift? Not necessarily, okay? There is an ability, 
about being a teacher, but then there's also the spiritual gift of being able to point back to God through your teaching. Do you get me? So we've been blessed by the fact that the Holy Spirit just dwells in us, that God wants to be in us and use us, and he gives us these gifts. That's exciting. Who doesn't like having a gift? Like, here's a, I mean, I guess unless it sucks or something. But these are good gifts. Notice, too, verses 4 through 6. It says, bless you. It says, don't we have, uh, sorry, I'm, this air conditioner blows my thing around here. Verses 4 through 6, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. So we see this sort of diversity of gifts, but we see a unity at the same time because it's the same Spirit working in everybody. Why is that a blessing? Well, for people like me, who like to have their hands in everything, where it's like, what about this? Oh, what about that? Oh, somebody should do this. Oh, somebody should do that. And you're freaking out mentally. That's a great comfort to me, knowing that there are other people that, people that are in, endowed with certain gifts and abilities that I don't. I'll give you an example from, uh, from well, from the Marvel Universe, okay? They need uh, Doctor Strange in order to go into different universes and things like that. Nobody else can do that, Okay? The Hulk gets really crazy, and he's like the most powerful one physically. Thor, I don't know. Okay, all right, let's not debate about that. Every single one of them is unique, and in the same way, in the body of Christ, every single one of us are unique. All of these Avengers here sitting in the pews today are all unique and different, but the same God gives us different abilities and different gifts in order to enrich all of us. So imagine scenes in, uh, in the Avengers when somebody's down and it's like, oh no, that's their weakness. But then Captain America shows up with his shield to protect them, right? We cover each other's bases. There's a diversity and we need that. Not every one person has the same tool. Not every one person has the same gift. So it's not all on one person, but we need one another collectively. It should also be a great comfort to us to know that God is working in those around you. When you're in your small groups, let's face it, when you're leading something, if you're on mission, if you're in small groups, if you're just hanging out together as Christians, even when we're here, sometimes we say things, we see things differently, and there could be a little bit of a, of a clash, right? Let me give you an example. Some people are very uh, task-driven, right? They're just task-oriented. They're usually the people who are more administrative. They're like, no, I want to see things done. They're more service-driven. They're like, well, what, what are we actually doing right now? But then we have those people who are just more spiritual. It's like, man, I feel like God is just like in this place right now. And you know what? We got to pray, guys. We got to just stop. I feel like the enemy is near, right? And, and so the people who are driven and task-driven, they're like, we got to get things done. The meeting has to get underway. We need to make sure that, did this, did this I get dotted? Did this T get crossed? Did we do all of that? And they're like, well, hang on, brother. I just, I sense a bad spirit in it, right? And, we, and there could be clashes, right? There's some people who are just more right brain and some more left brain. brain. Obviously, I'm not that one. <laughs> we have to trust that God is working, as it says in verse 6, God is working in everything. God is in it and working through them. God is working not only in you, that yes, he equips you to do certain things. You will have talents and strengths. Some of you are going to shoot web out your wrists. Some of them rockets, right? Not literally. We get to what the actual gifts are in just a minute, okay? But I want us to understand that God is actually working through the Spirit in all of the believers around you as well. It's not all on you. Okay? 
So when we are together and we have those who are more administrative, we need to respect that and say, well, God loves structure. He does love structure and he is going to do things. He wants us to operate things effectively and efficiently. But at the same time, for those who are more administrative, we need to pause and respect the fact that God is also working through some of those people who are like, I feel like we need to pray for so-and-so. I know they're not here right now, but I just, I've just been thinking about it. Okay, I guess we'll stop the meeting. No, it's like, well, you know what? If, if the Spirit is prompting us to do that, then we've got to respect that part of the body. God is working with them and through them as well. We could also appreciate the diversity and the unity at the same time. Okay, when we blow this up to even denominations, yeah, different denominations see things differently. As Southern Baptists, of course, we have our strengths in mission and outreach, things like that. That's great. But Presbyterians, Methodists, they, they all have their own flavors. And they may see things a little bit different. And we sometimes argue about what the meanings of things are and how to do things. But really, we have to respect that, man, everybody has their viewpoint. And the Spirit is working through charismatics as much as he is through reformers. Now, likewise, what does this also imply? It means that you cannot be upset with somebody who isn't blessed in the same way that you are blessed. You can't really get too upset. I, I know that this one's hard because usually in meetings, it's like, gosh, these guys are all so slow. How come they don't see that really it's evangelism or really it's discipleship or really it's through service? No, it's through the word. No, it's through this. No, it's through that. Not everybody's going to see the things that you see because you have been blessed individually as the Spirit saw fit. So you can't really be too mad at your brothers and sisters around you who have been blessed in different ways. It's an act of grace. It is a practice of grace for us to say, okay, let me calm down. Let me walk them through this. Let me listen. God did that on purpose. He didn't want us to be so individualistic. No man is an island, they say. And it's the same way with us here. We need one another when we come together like this. We need one another when we're on mission. We need one another if we want to serve the kingdom of God. And we can't get too mad at one another for not having the gift that you have. 1 Corinthians, uh, I'm sorry, in Romans 12, 3 through 5, uh, very similar. Uh, in Romans 12, there's also a list of gifts. But just before that, Paul says this, For the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself as more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each, one of us, uh, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Again, let me say, he, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, he says in Romans 12 right before he goes on to talking about the gifts and very similar pattern what we see in 1 Corinthians. It's going to be really easy for us when we start to look at some of these gifts to say, yeah, I'm really good, and that's the best one. You, I'll show you a list in just a moment. It's like in the shape of a broccoli or something. I don't know. It's the best thing I could find. And you're going to be like, <laughs> you're going to be like oh, yeah, that's the best one. Well, obviously, I have the best one. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. It's a gift. It's supernatural. It's nothing that you came up with on yourself. It was given to you. So don't go around bragging like, oh, this is all me. 
somebody uh, just last week, I forgot who it was, had a really cool backpack, and I commented on it. And I was like, man, that's a cool backpack. And, you know, he smiled. And he's, he's like, oh, it's got all these zippers. And then he proudly said, like, well, it was, it was really expensive, but it was a gift. And he's very proud of it. But he didn't take his line like, you know, I got good style, I got good taste. No, like this is a gift. Okay, you have been given a gift. Okay, now how are we going to know that we actually have anything? Because some of you might be like, I don't know what you're talking about, gifts. Like, how do I know? Do I take like a spiritual gift assessment online or, you know, and there are plenty of those. I'm not going to go through them. If you want to check like Lifeway, there's a good one. We've done them all. In our youth ministry, we... Uh, <laughs> We busted them out. It's like 15 pages, and they have to read through like a personality test almost and do like the graph and all that. Those can be helpful, but really it's going to be confirmed through those around you. Look at verse 7. I have to stand in a different place because my pages keep... (laughs) Verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Manifestation, that word means to shine forth or to, sh- or to like show itself. Like from darkness, it shines through. Okay? To each one of you, it will become apparent as you are stepping up into ministry, as you are doing outreach, as you are together in a group of people, of other Christians, you're going to notice right away. It will just shine through. You have to trust that God has empowered you. Now, enough about talking about all of these things because I know that you're like, okay, so what are these gifts anyway? Let's get to, I want to know, like, what do I have? Because everybody in this room, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have the Holy Spirit in you, he's going to distribute a gift to you, again, to point back to himself, okay? Let's take a look at, uh, can you uh, pull up that image that I gave you, tech team? These are, these are taken from a few different places. I'm going to read through a list. Yeah, it's, is that a broccoli? I don't know what that is. Is that a tree? It's a tree? Okay. Somebody told me it was a burrito. I don't see a burrito in that. They got to check their vision or something. This is the best thing I could find, guys. I'm sorry, okay? The best thing I could find. I'm going to read through a list, um, and this is coming from the rest of 1 Corinthians uh, 12, also from Romans. I'll call it out. I'm going to just read through a list of what some of these things are and uh, just a brief description of some of them because not all of them, like teaching, okay, you get that. The Greek word is teaching. I mean, there's nothing behind that. Administration, okay, you might notice that one up there. Administration is, is sort of, well, it's administration. It's taking care of those details and logistics. Literally, the Greek word is to kind of steer the ship well, okay? That would be administration. Apostleship. An apostle uh, is one who is sent with a message. So generally, there are people who start new ministries or new churches in areas where there is just nothing going on. Discernment. Discernment is not just like, this is a good apple, this is not. It's discernment of spirits, okay? And that's sort of people in our church congregation that may be like, you know what? This doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel like this is of God. This is of God here, right? So they're able to make that determination uh, because some of us are just kind of in the dark and we're easily bamboozled, right? (laughs) Like, like, we've had, like, people come through, and they're like, just because they say, you know, like, oh, you know, I think God's leading us to do this. There's good to have people with the gift and the ability to be able to say, like, hmm, there's something not right here. Something off. is a bamboozler, right? Okay. People with faith. Well, don't we all have faith? I mean, come on. Well, there is a supernatural gift of faith. These are the people that when times are bad, maybe you're on mission, uh, who step up and say, like, hey, I know we're tired, guys, but... I just believe that God's going to do something great here. We need to just keep going. And they really encourage and ignite the faith of others. Healing. Okay, there are healings. Yes, there are supernatural healings of like, I don't have 
cancer or whatever it is anymore, but that it can also be just people who are around who just emit this healing aura. Just being around some people like my wife, she's just very healing. I'm like, man, I'm having the worst day, and she'll just talk and, and a little bit, just say a few words. I'm like, hmm, yeah, that's true. Wow. You know, it's like the supernatural gift. Service. This is not just like, you know, shouldn't you all have the gift of service? Well, no, there are some people. I think Pastor Tony has the gift of service because that guy, he's like, I'll plunge the toilet. I'll do it. You know, it's like, wow, who wants to do that? Like, they step up every time, and they're just tireless. That's not me, okay? I'm like, thank God for that gift. I will yield to you, brother. You plunge that toilet. You know, you, I will encourage you, though, as much as I can. Okay, this, okay. Knowledge and wisdom. Okay, a lot of that has to do with Scripture and knowing the faith very well, who, who are able to have literally the mind of God and to be able to say, hey, let me impart this to you. And they serve all of us. They serve each one of us in being able to just speak forth the word of God and remind us of that. Again, all of these gifts, it's not service like, oh, cool, I can work at anywhere and be a service person. No, this is to point back to God. All of these gifts are to point back to God. Teaching, as I mentioned, teaching in a way that explains the scripture and is going to be breaking it down for people to understand there's prophecy, and I'm not just talking about tarot card reading here, okay, like, oh, it looks like you're going to have a bad year. It's not that sort of prophecy, though it could be. There have been times when God has said, like, mm, you know, I'm going to send a prophet. Prophecy is, is also to be viewed as somebody who can send a word of truth into somebody's life, who's able to say, brother, you know, I think you're going the wrong way, okay? It's, it's also uh, another gift. Exhortation is very similar. And we know, here's how you know you have uh, somebody around you like this. Have you, how you know that somebody in our church, somebody in your small group has these sort of gifts? Have the, same, uh, have the same piece of advice said by two different people and see which one you gravitate towards more, okay? This has happened literally to me where I was, somebody told me something and they're like, you know, I, did, I wasn't really sure, you know, like maybe you should have done this better or like this. And I was so like, oh, how dare you say, of course I said this on the inside, I didn't actually do that. But in the inside, I'm like freaking out, turning into the Hulk, right? How, like, how dare you, you don't know me. You know, I wanted to get in their face. I swear that the very same week, somebody else comes up to me and tells me the same thing. Like, you know, maybe, uh, maybe you should do like something more like this. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just, if that other person would have been in the room, they would have punched me. Like, I said the same thing. I said, that, what? Well, you don't have that gift. I'm sorry. <laughs> this person, you know, you're bringing a hammer in for, I need a wrench. Okay, uh, sorry. It's, it didn't work, right? Like, the wrench can be used as a hammer, though. <laughs> From Romans 12, uh, 5 through 8, we also have additional, and these are not completely exhaustive. There are more gifts out there that the Spirit distributes, but exhortation that's giving as sort of like, hey, watch out, you know, you should, uh, I, 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 would, I would advise that you go this way. Counsel would be another way to put that. Giving, some people are just supernatural givers. Remember a few weeks ago, I preached a message on just how generous people are in our church, and some lady came in and gave money to somebody. I'm, I, I'm not, I swear, I did not plan that. That was the funniest thing I've ever seen. But some people supernaturally just like, they're like the giving tree. They just give and give until they're a stump. And then they Still serve as a seat for a little kid. Okay, if you've never read that book. Leadership. Some people naturally just rise up, and we just listen to them. It's like, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, you know what? All right. They just naturally, nobody taught them how. 
It's a supernatural gift of the Spirit, and all of this is to point back to God. This is not natural, like they're naturally good at military logistics. No, these are supernatural gifts given to point back to God. The gift of... uh, (laughs) Other miscellaneous gifts that we find, the gift of celibacy, we have talked about that before. You're like, huh, huh. can I return that one? <laughs> Is there a gift receipt for that one? Okay, if you are not married, you have the gift of celibacy. Praise God for that, really, because you have the time, you have the energy to serve God. The gift of hospitality, welcoming in a stranger. We need more of that. Praise God for our connect team. Praise God for our connect team. And if you, if you find that you are equipped And if you pray for that gift of hospitality, we need that because they are the ones that welcome in the foreigner who welcome in the stranger. Okay, many of us, especially in the youth, they're taking that survey and a lot of them were like, oh man, like nobody had this one, right? They're like, when strangers come, they're like, stranger, danger, stranger. Literally, they have said that. Like, it's like their new person coming, they're like, stranger, danger, stranger, danger, stranger. I'm like, shut up, what are you doing? Like, so impressed. Welcome, welcome to TLC. They don't feel welcome. Welcome into the family of God. I'm not coming back here, I'm sorry, right? Hospitality, an important gift. Some are called as missionaries. That is a gift to the church. They are sent into foreign places, far away from their home and from their culture, in order to spread the word, in order to spread the gospel. In Ephesians 4, finally, we also find gifts to the church, apostles, evangelists, prophets, and pastors and teachers. So if I said I'm God's gift to the church, never mind. But these are gifts to the church in order to build up and equip the church. All of these, I know you're like, this may seem still a little bit abstract, but how it looks is that we are a group of people who are coming together, going on mission with God, going to spread the good news, going to make disciples, going to fulfill that great commission with Jesus. And along the way, we need to be stewards of these gifts that are within us. And we need one another and to trust that God is working through one another. So if you know that there are some in, within our congregation here that are like, I need, I need somebody who's going to be more healing, or, man, I just need a word from God to, to just cut through because I'm, I'm just I'm caught up in my mind, I'm caught up in pride, I'm caught up in sin, go to those people. And if you are one of those people, then rise up. Paul told Timothy, don't neglect the gift that is within you in 1 Timothy. Don't neglect that gift. And it's the same for all of us as believers. If you have encouragement, go and encourage. If you have leadership, rise up. If you have hospitality, go to the Connect team. Go. Just a few last things, and then we'll talk a little more of what it looks like to be a blessing in the world. Each gift is unique and necessarily necessary to accomplish God's purpose in the world. Remember, it is, they are God's work in us. It is not us. Okay? Nobody can take credit and say like, well, you know, I'm just so, I'm such a good teacher. <laughs> what can I say? Touch all. Okay? It's God's work in us. So we cannot take credit for that. We are not our gift. The gift was given to us. They are to always point back to Jesus. Okay, you teaching high school math uh, is not the same as having the gift of teaching the commandments of Jesus. Okay. Sometimes you can use a lot of those gifts, and again, sometimes you can use a wrench as a hammer, okay? Some of you may have a really good ability. Some of you are teachers in school, and that's great. Praise God. You can use some of those abilities also to teach others. They're to be appreciated, but they should help us to appreciate the giver of the gift. 
The gifts should be appreciated, but they should help us even more to appreciate the giver of the gift, who is God. So when you do feel down and you're uplifted by somebody, when you're all over the place and somebody comes in and just tells you a word of truth, when you're really curious and you message somebody who's like, hey, you, you seem pretty good at teaching, can you advise me on this? Praise God every time for that. Praise God for that. That he is working through each and every one of you. You were blessed to be a blessing. And you've been blessed by each other. And you've been blessed by God to be a blessing. So what does that look like? 1 Peter 4 through uh, 8 through 11. Peter says this. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Each one of you should use whatever gift that you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of the faith that God has given, the grace that God has given you in its various forms. If you've been given a gift, if you've been blessed to be a blessing, if you've been given a gift, it means that you are expected to use it. If you have been given a gift, it is expected that you are going to use it. I would be heartbroken if I gave somebody in this room a car and I never see you drive it. <laughs> I, would be, I would be beside myself, like I get, and you're still like maybe driving some junky old thing, and I buy you a Tesla, let's say, and you're like out there, and the Tesla's in your driveway. I would drive, I would, I would go nuts. I don't know, I'd pop your tires or something. I don't know. They probably have reinflating tires on those things. I have no idea what I do. I would, be, do they? Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> You just talk to it. It's like Kit from, never mind, that's old reference. What was it, Knight Rider? Yeah, you got it, okay. You're old like me, that's wonderful. You are expected to use the gift that you have. I know somebody who uh, bought like a $500 or $1,000 tool set. It's in a big bench in their house. They're like, dude, check it out, man. Look at all this. I organized it. They pulled it out. They had all these wrenches. They had all these hammers. They had all these drills and everything. They're like, oh, yeah, isn't this cool? It all came with it. And I was, I was like, wow, that's really cool. I go over a few weeks later, and I'm in the garage, and, and just, you know, he's busy doing something else. That's out of curiosity. I'm like, what is, you know, you really keep it that organized or anything? I open it up, exact same spots. Everything is there, nice and shiny and new. You know what it tells me? They didn't do anything with it. They're not even that handy, to be honest. I'm like, why are you, you didn't do anything with it. It's just going to sit there. It's not a museum here. This is not a gift that we're just like, cool, hmm, prophecy, wisdom. Whatever. The gifts themselves, like, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that you are using them. It matters that you have been blessed to be a blessing. How do I know what I have? Well, go out there and bless somebody. You'll find out real fast. Come and work with me and see how fast that you'll see. I, I don't have the gift of administration, okay? <laughs> you'll find out really fast what you have. But it takes actually getting out and doing something with it. As Peter says, hey, if each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. 
It's not just a gift to sit there in your garage. It's not just a gift to sit there inside of you as you sit in your pews. You've been given the Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts so that you can carry on Jesus' work. Jesus said in John 14, as we read at the very beginning, greater works that you will do, you're going to continue to carry on my mission in this world. I choose you. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to be with you. Paul also makes the analogy, if we keep reading in 1 Corinthians 12, of a body. He's like, hey, we're all very different. Some of the foot, some of the eye, okay? The eye can't say to the ears, like, hey, you know, I don't really treasure you. You're nothing to me. They all have their own function. Okay? Each one has its own function. But if one of them is not functioning, is not doing what they're supposed to do, okay, then that's an unhealthy body, isn't it? If there's one or two people in this room who are like an eye, but they're not actually rising up to do what they're supposed to do, then we're a church that's blind. If we have people who are ears to hear God, but they're just not rising up, we're unhealthy, we're deaf. We don't want to be an unhealthy body. God has equipped you, trust that he has empowered you to rise up and to help those around you. Peter also calls in the same letter of the saints, you are the, the royal priesthood. And this implies that you show up to your job. You are to bless others. Notice again and again through these letters, it doesn't really say, it doesn't really matter as much what the church is doing. We could do car washes, we could do outreach to homeless, we could do VBS, we could go to Arizona. It doesn't really matter, to be honest. What matters is how we do it. And are we pointing back to God in how we are doing things? Again, maybe God prompts us to and opens up doors that we're able to go and bless the community here or in Westminster, or Garden Grove, or wherever it is, Peru, it doesn't matter. What matters is how we go about it, and are we rising up and pointing back to Jesus using these gifts? What is the best way to keep us in line with doing that? Well, I think we have a clue at the very end of 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Paul says this, Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. He says, desire these tools. Yes, get, get wrenches, get hammers, you know, pray, God, please send me this hammer. We need a hammer. We need to see. We need to hear. But yet, I want to show you a most excellent way. And the very next chapter is what? 1 Corinthians 13. And that is notorious as the chapter of what? Love. Weddings. <laughs> Everybody wants to read 1 Corinthians 13 at their wedding because it's about love. But it comes in this context of, yes, we're all diverse. We're all different. We all have these, okay, some are Iron Man, some are Captain America, some are the Hulk. We're all different. We're, some are our nose, some are eyes, some are the butt of a joke, okay? But above and beyond that, we should be seeking love because as much as you say, like, okay, I want to rise up. I want to be a teacher. I want to I be able to speak truth into people. I want to be able to correct people. I want to be able to just show people back to Jesus with these gifts. We're not to necessarily lean into that and trust that, but to seek first love. Why? Because as Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, if I spoke the tongue of men and angels, what does it profit me? I'm like a clanging gong or cymbal. In other words, okay, I have the coolest tool kit around, but if I don't really have any motivation to love, then it's pointless. Because the people 
around you are going to see the love and the care of Christ. That is the motivation. That is what Paul says, hey, seek this. Seek love. Yeah, desire gifts. Because as you are going, as you are making disciples, as you are telling people about Jesus, we don't want them to think, okay, he's just a really good teacher. Or they, they have, they're really wise. Or they're so comforting. No, we want them to say, man, I, I feel love. There's something behind this. Earnestly seek love. People need to know about the love of God. So remember that you have been blessed first because it's, <laughs> Scripture is clear. First John says, hey, we love because he first loved us. We've been shown a great deal of love. How do we remember that? Well, God overlooks us all the time in our sins. He forgave us of our sins. Again, all these things point back to Jesus. I was reminded just this morning, as I was reading through my devotion, uh, I, 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 it was on dealing with criticism, and that's something that I've been wrestling with, and, and God has been kind of shining forth in my life in the last maybe nine or ten months, and um, I've been seeing a lot of victories of, of things like that, just dealing with criticism. You know, I mean, I don't know who likes criticism, like, yeah, tell me again, I suck, yeah. You know, but I just, for whatever reason, I, I just, you know, I've, I've, my whole life I've dealt poorly with when people say, like, oh, this, this, and that, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I suck, oh, you know. So Charles Spurgeon had this quote in there, and he's like, you know, praise God when people criticize you. It's actually good. And I'm like, what the heck? And I keep reading, and he's like, no, it's good because they notice one little thing that maybe they're right about, but they missed all the millions of other things that you're wrong about <laughs> that only God sees. That indeed you have way more sin, but they only called you out on one. And I'm like, man, this is terrible. And it's like, hey, it's not to say that you should beat yourself up and say, yeah, I'm just a waste, I'm a waste of flesh. But to say that God sees all of those broken things, but yet he still loves you. He adores you. He overlooks those things and he died for you. And be reminded each time that God's not done with you. He still loves you, and he is still working on you, and he's using other people as a sort of heavenly sandpaper to make this fine sculpture, to make a better you, to make a reflection of who he is. And I was so encouraged by that. And I was told, man, I'm not, I'm, it's not over for me, and people need to hear things like that. You have the ability to do that because you've been shown a great deal of love. It may not be dealing with criticism, it may be dealing with whatever, but God is so gracious to you and loves you. And despite all of those hideous things, the dark places in your life that you're like, gosh, I, why can't I get over this? He's still working on you and chooses to use you even amidst that. So trust that you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Trust that he is giving you gifts to encourage those around you. Trust that you have been blessed to be a blessing. One of the best lines from the Marvel movies, I think, was from the original Spider-Man. With great power comes... You can't quote scripture, but you can quote that. <laughs> With great power comes great responsibility. Calling you all out, man. I swear, I'm sorry. With great power comes great responsibility, and I think that that's true. Okay? You have great power in you. The Holy Spirit is working in all of those who are following after Jesus. But with that comes great responsibility. You've been blessed to be a blessing. So steward, steward that gift well. Let's pray.